0: This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison.
1: I'm super excited to have our guest today, Steve Bidolf, author of books like Manhood and Raising Boys, Raising Girls, The Secret of Happy Children. He has truly been a guide for generations of parents. His new book is being released as we air this podcast and it is called fully human and it's truly his life's work come to the pages and i'm so excited for you to hear about this book it's not specifically about parenting it's specifically about living more fully human before we get to that conversation with steve I want to share with you several resources that are going to help you on your parenting journey. And the first one is my co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink, writes the Building Boys Bulletin. This is a subscription email that comes out every single week. She curates all the information worldwide about raising boys. Her email is the first email I open every Monday morning. Building Boys Bulletin. Go to buildingboys.net and click on the red subscribe button. For a very reasonable cost, you can get this specially curated email in your inbox every single Monday. It is a treasure trove of current information about raising boys. Another resource that can help you as a parent of boys, you know, we're always trying to get our boys to talk with us and have deep, meaningful conversations. And what I know from working with parents for over 20 years is that this is a really challenging area. We want our boys to open up and talk but we don't quite know how to get them to do that. So I have created the Boy Talk Blueprint, and this is a step-by-step guide to help you create the space to have those conversations, choose the words to have those conversations in a boy-friendly way. I know he wants to connect with you. You can provide the space and way for him to be able to do that comfortably. The Boy Talk Blueprint, the link is go.boysalive.com slash blueprint, and you will find all the descriptions and information there that will get you started having those great conversations with your son. And now I am so excited to bring you this conversation with Steve Bidoff. I'm going to tell you right up front that our guest today is Steve Fiddle, world's best known parent educator, author of Raising Boys, Manhood, and so many other best loved books in the parenting world since, well, since before a lot of you were even born. Steve has been a guide and mentor to me for the past 20 some years, and he's a return guest to our podcast. I'm thrilled to have him here. Today's conversation is about his newest book, a book that he says has been planned over many years and is a departure from writing books on child raising. Rather, this book is a simple working manual for being a human being. I was thrilled to receive a pre-release copy and I've read it cover to cover, underlined and circled many, many places. It is inspiring, easy to follow and life-changing. Steve, welcome.
2: Hello, Janet, and 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 those are very kind words. And and hello to everyone who's listening to the podcast. It's great to be able to reach you from my little house in Tasmania. And hope wherever you are in the world, that you're good, good, and safe and warm. Yes.
1: I really feel your heart and soul in these pages.
2: Well, thank you. This this was a book. I'm. I'm Janet, I'm I'm for your listeners as well. I'm I'm 67 years old, and I can feel my time. <laughs> so I say to people, you know, death isn't coming my way yet, but she's glanced in my direction a few times, and so I I wanted to write something that was the, the culmination of of a lifetime of working with people. You know, you get so many things in your lifetime, and you, and just want to set it all down while you can. But as I started to research the book, I I started finding new things for myself as well so it's it's both um, uh, looking back and you know clients that i'd worked with over many years but also things are very much on the cutting edge of w- w- that only getting discovered by neuroscience in the last mm-hmm. couple of years mm-hmm. and um and i got very excited by how it all came together because i'm quite a, a nervous person and my Walk through the world is quite wobbly sometimes, and we've had many challenges in our family. It's kind of a book that has really helped me as I was writing it, and so um, I'm, I have a hope that it might help millions of other people. But you, you never know when you launch these 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 little children into the world mm-hmm. how they'll fly. And and you're one of the first people in the world to have read it, Janet. And so I was very keen to to see whether you had a smile on your face this morning when you came on to do the podcast
1: big smile big smile and lots to talk about and i love that you highlighted the wisdom of the elders you know that you can take your life experience i too am in my 60s and It is that place of resting in this culmination of all the people you've worked with. And I'll tell our listeners, you're a psychotherapist. So you've worked therapeutically with with many, many, many people. And so it is this place to share this wisdom and the culmination of that. And it's so beautiful. And we're not saying this is your last book, I hope. But, you know, it's in the pantheon.
2: (laughs) Yes, that's right.
1: This book kind of hinges on this question that you said that you ask many people in your seminars, what is a human being?
2: Yes, it's it's a really, really important question to think about how you see human beings, because we sold an idea of ourselves in the culture that... That we're just a kind of bundle of appetites, you know, and we just want to get stuff, and we want to have experience, and we want to have nice furniture and amazing sex lives, and and we treat the world as some sort of con- like we're just a big greedy thing, mm-hmm. and and so it's a little bit like asking fish about water. It, it, it's it's you know you ask people about what what are we? What are people? But my audiences are mostly people like medical doctors or. Funeral directors or midwives, or they're professionals in different groups who ask me Mm -hmm. to speak. And I don't know anything about midwifery and I don't know anything about, you know, being a, a paramedic. But I start off by asking, well, just write down if you're listening to the podcast, just try this out in your head. What is a human being? If you had to explain what a human being was to someone, if, if you picture an audience of four or 500 people, they start putting their hands up and say, well, we're a mammal, you know, we're a big mm-hmm. mammal or an animal. And then someone else will come in and say, yeah, but we're a very social animal. You know, we're kind of, we work together as human beings. We're not like wombats or armadillos or something. Mm-hmm. And then someone will start saying, yeah, but there's dimensions. And I bet you almost everyone listening to the podcast would be thinking, yeah, we've got dimensions to a human being. Mm-hmm. We might have a spiritual dimension or emotional most people go yes we've got a heart and mind for example they will say and i think the concept of of the book was that we we are multi-dimensional and not only that but it's almost we use a metaphor of what i call the four-story mansion mm-hmm. and the and the four-story mansion is a is a, a model for the brain that is very you can explain it to a, a five-year-old little little child. The four floors of the mansion, most people only live on a couple of floors at the most, um, and, and they, they might complain about the accommodation, you know, <laughs> and what we're, what we're saying in the book is, look, there's there's a really great ground floor that you haven't checked out, mm-hmm. and that's down into your intuitive sensing in your body. There's a fantastic um, roof garden. Um, the fourth floor is kind of a roof garden. It's open to the sky and the stars, and that's our spirituality. And I have a very simple, secular way of explaining spirituality. I, I have my own spiritual tradition, as many listeners will have. But I'm interested in reaching secular people to they realize that they're as spiritual as anybody. Yeah. And, and so in the book, inviting people to do is to start living in all the rooms of their mind. But their mind is a very spacious and free, even and I've got friends and family who have terrible physical afflictions, but their minds are a beautiful place to live.
1: So Mm. take us through the four story mansion. So I love this analogy. It's so beautiful. So just take us through like, what's the ground floor? That's our physical body. And just let's go through the. Okay,
2: now Uh, I'm a very. I'm a very hard person to interview Janet because I never follow follow the, the direction I'll, I'll bring you back. We will, back.
1: We will start <laughs> we'll
2: start with the we'll start with the ground floor, but I i will jump around and, and, and drive you crazy. And well, so, I,
1: I actually as I was preparing for this, I was like, do we start at the top? I want to start at that <laughs> rooftop garden. Maybe that's the place to start. So we can hop around, but listeners, yeah, picture picture the floors. There's four of them, and yes. we'll
2: We'll hop around. Yes, don't worry. I, I'm, I'm in charge and it will be fine. And so the thing that um, I, I do like to tell the listeners, Janet, is, is this the story that starts the book, which is a, a patient of mine, client of mine back in the night back in the 1980s. And she was a young what we call a GP in Australia, a, a general medical practitioner, just a doctor, a family doctor, a young, young mum with two little kids. And she was coming home from a day in the city and she had a day off of work and had gone on to have lunch with some friends and she was in a suburban train station. Middle of the day, bright sunshine, and she was just getting into her car in the car park and a, a young man a, 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 fair, a distance away called out to her and he was well-dressed and good-looking young man and he sounded like he maybe... He lost his telephone or something. She couldn't quite hear what he was saying. Now she was a, a young woman who had been raised to be very polite and very helpful. She was a lovely, caring doctor, and so a lot of her conditioning said, "Oh, he must, poor man, he must have lost something. I need directions. I should help him." But at that same second, you know, just fumbling with her keys, opening the door of her car, somewhere down in her belly went. <clears throat> Like a little clench in her, in her, in her guts, and to her own surprise and shock, she piled into her car, slammed the door, locked it, and drove away, thinking to herself, "What's wrong with me? You know, am I losing the plot? That poor man, you know." And she even saw the man in in the rearview mirror, you know, standing, staring after her. It soon left her mind because she was home with her small children and her parents. And but that night on the evening news. The top story on the news was that a, a young woman had been assaulted by a man in a train station and it was it was her train station and wow. it was the same train that had come in mm. and she was um her husband came in to find her sobbing on the couch because she just was her brain was just reeling that that was almost me so she was my client because she had some issues from the the narrow escape and what happened to the other young woman. Mm -hmm. It took about a year for her to be right back on track again. At the same time, one thing was very clear in the first session. She was a fantastically sensible person because she had to listen to her gut Mm -hmm. feelings. Mm -hmm. Everyone listening, I'm sure, has, and I'm sure you too, Janet, you've had experiences where whatever your brain is saying, somewhere deep inside, part of you has misgivings and what the science it tells us now is that that's not there's nothing woo-woo about that it's not it's not a sixth sense or or even the word intuition is not a good word for it it's our our brain's ability and our mind's ability to take in loads of information things that we can't consciously process and it talks to our To our organs inside our body, way down there, usually down the midline of our body somewhere. Mm -hmm. There's a a clinch or a hole or a movement or a swirl. And and it's telling us, hey, up there.
1: (laughs) Pay attention. Yeah,
2: don't (laughs) stop to think. Just and so the point of the new book, of of the fully human book, is that this isn't just in an emergency. This is running all the time. If you're listening to this podcast right now, and Janet, you're, they're interviewing me right now, if you go down the midline of your body, you will notice there are sensations happening.
1: I'm going to adjust Janet. how I'm sitting right
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, are, you can see, Janet, I'm just doing a kind of little, little wriggle and a jiggle and getting comfortable because, and you might be the same listening to the podcast. We, we tend, as Western, um, highly conditioned creatures, to not inhabit our bodies very much at all. There's a wisdom, there's, a, there's an, a wild creature that lives inside of you. We haven't lost any of the abilities of the eagle or the brown bear or the salmon swimming upstream. We've got every m- m- bit as much of, of the animal sensing that they have, mm-hmm. um, it's not. It's not always right, you know. Your intuitions can be sometimes wrong. You can have baggage that's affecting how you're responding in your mm-hmm. guts to something, mm-hmm. but it's always worth listening to. And if if you're inhabiting the ground floor of your self, I gave it the name super sense yeah. because it's a in cognitive psychology, it's called parallel processing. And that didn't really excite me as a name. (laughs) (laughs) And super sense sense is is our normal senses taking in vast amounts and letting us know. Maybe it's as simple as, you know, someone's calling us up to see if we'll volunteer for a bake sale or something like that. And (laughs) we really can't take on anymore. And, and so, and down inside, you know, the answer to that is I don't want to do that. Yeah. And, and whether you choose to or not, at least it's important to know your body doesn't think it's a good idea.
1: Right. And you said it's visceral, not verbal and, and tuning in. And that's what this whole beginning part of the book is, is tuning into, into your body and beginning to listen. And I think you're right. We've heard a lot about the mind body connection and the, the gut and the wisdom of the gut. And yet it's like we hear it out there, but how do we bring it into our daily lives as busy parents, as busy human beings and have it serve us, have it work. Like so that we're working together all four floors are aligned yes it's yes. an
2: incredible resource and I, I, because your listeners are our parents um mostly janet i'll i'll let, let me give, give an, another example that in how you can use this would you like to hear an example of how to use it in your parenting absolutely there's a story that that i I tell in my in my book about girls and raising daughters, which is of a of a girl who's um, sixteen year old girl who's got a, a very sweet boyfriend and they've been going out for for months and months and holding hands and going for long walks on Sundays and and it's a really you know, nice relationship that we'd all want our kids to have you know, being being young and in love. But but he's he's a boy and he's a twenty first century boy and so just lately he's been. Getting a little bit grabby when they're sitting in a bus stop somewhere or by themselves in a park. And when her mum asks this girl, you know, how's it going with your boyfriend? And she's says, Oh, mum, there's a bit of sexual pressure coming on. You know, I can feel it. He's starting to. Mm-hmm. I think he wants to, to have sex. And, and, and mum, I don't know what to do. And the mum, she's a, she's a wise mum. And she, and she's so she, parents listening, no, you never. You never answer that question. You never tell a teenager, "Here's what you should do," right? (laughs) Because they, because they, what they really want is just to talk it over, and and so her mum says, "Well, how do you feel about it?" and and the girl says, "I don't know how I feel. You know, he's lovely. I adore him. He's the best boy in the world. I don't know," she says, and then her mum says something which is really the Pulitzer Prize of Parenting Answers. And, and if you're listening, you've you've got this now. You can have this in. You, you write it on your sleeve. You know.
1: Right. Jot this um, down. <laughs> the
2: mum says, she says, honey, sometimes our body sends us messages when our brain and our heart are in a complete spin Sometimes our body talks to us, and our body knows what is right or wrong for us. Mm-hmm. And her daughter, her daughter's name is Genevieve, and, and Genevieve says straight away, like, "Oh, mum, you, you're right," she says. You know, one minute we're kissing and cuddling, and it's really great. I'm just in heaven, you know. And but when he gets a bit too grabby, I, I just sort of squirm, you know, mm-hmm. and then I don't want to have sex with him yet. She just it just bursts out of her. Bang, you know, there it is. And so parents of sons who are listening, equally could be the boy making this call. Mm -hmm. And But the thing is that the mum has helped the girl to, to listen to her own insides. Girls are especially conditioned not to do that. There's a long centuries tradition of thinking of other people first and how do I please them and how do I please him? And so it's as simple as that. It's when you don't know what to do, which for me is like almost half the time go down inside yourself and there'll be a sense of does this feel right or doesn't it and often it might be a matter of saying look I don't know yet let let me have a think of let me sit with that part of the fully human book is is the sort of thing that we're not designed for the lives we live now and it, to be fully human you have to really really slow down to let your all the parts of you find themselves again and, mm-hmm. and begin to to get in line. So this super sense is a thing, as I said. You can you can talk to a little. In fact, most people do know to talk to their kids, say about with uh, preventing child abuse, for example. You know, mm-hmm. if your body feels squirmy and strange. Um, and and I, I had a friend I was talking to over the weekend. a Man in his early fifties, terrific dad and we were talking about these ideas and he said i remember being in high school a priest you know, it was a catholic yeah. school a priest told me off and said come to the presbytery after school you've got some punishment coming your way because mm-hmm. you've been very bad and he felt really physically uncomfortable it wasn't just the punishment was, there was something weird about that man mm-hmm. and he refused to go and there was a big fuss of course it later came out that man had been abusing many children
1: mm-hmm. and wow, he narrowly
2: wow. escaped that wow. and he did it because he listened to yeah. something down here
1: that's that creepy spidey sense that we get when something just doesn't sit right and yes and being okay with listening to that and following it like he went against the grain as a child as a young man Mm. which is not easy to do and to say no I'm not I'm not entering into that situation but of course that's what we want for all of our kids to be able to do and ourselves as well
2: and Janet I think it's the almost the the roots of self-esteem in a way. You know, we, talk, we we treat self-esteem sometimes like it's oh, you know, I I'm strong or I'm I'm pretty or or and, and sometimes, of course, you know, that I'm I'm gentry, gentle, gentle, mm-hmm. or, or kind-hearted. But the deep root of self-esteem is that there's a there's an inside of me which knows what is right for me.
0: I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits, and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option and Janet and I recently have both tried it out and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute. Put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit onboys. That's armoir.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet.
2: and I trust myself and um, I hope that that, that from people reading this idea of super sense in the book that we start to navigate our lives with our compass really guiding us because it's also um, super sense is also a social capacity. Human beings always lived in, in little groups who worked closely together for most of our history. We had to work really closely. We lived with people who loved each other, and we work together every single day, usually 10, 20 people. And that's what we were designed for. And you had to know if someone was out of sorts in your hunter-gatherer clan, you had to take that into account. And, and so our radar is wonderful. And, mm-hmm. and particularly young women, and girls probably have some wiring that is a, a bit different on this, but it's not not a huge difference. You can teach your sons, just notice. What's going on on the inside, and it'll, and you'll you realise that your best mate said something ten minutes ago. You know, like my favourite example with boys is a thing I've struck many times with boys is your best friend is leaving to go to another school, and maybe you're you're only seven years old. You, you hear you just mention, "Oh, you know, we're going to go to another school next term," and. Next thing you know, you've given him a punch in the face in the playground and 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 you don't know why it is, but you're just upset, you know. And and so we work with our little boys to get a handle on those feelings, you know, and mm-hmm. what were you really feeling? And maybe, you know, you really like this guy, you know, why, <laughs> you know, it's not his fault that he's moving schools, you know. And and so so if, if we can raise our sons to be turned into tuned into this radar and they can think, mm-hmm. oh no, I wasn't. I'm just a bit scared, mom. That's all. You know, I'm I'm really sad. Yeah. Um, good, you know, good on you. You know, um, let's have a talk about what you could do.
1: Right. Um, well, yeah. let's, so this is a great segue into the second story of our four-story mansion, our emotions. And you talk about how emotions are a response on the inside for this boy to something that happens on the outside. Our emotions are designed to power us through situations, and you talk about the four archetypal emotions that we have.
2: Yes. Oh, Janet, what you see, as I said, you're one of the first people in the world, who apart from editors and people, to read the book, and so you've no idea how how great it is that you've got these ideas and you've paid them serious attention. Yeah. So, so thank you for, from me. The place that emotions take is is, is that exactly right. They're a kind of a power source to move you. I was thinking, because your podcasts, they go deeper than a lot of mm-hmm. people's interviews that I do. And so I thought I'd share a, a personal example of this to for your listeners to understand that I was raised in the north of England, I'm an Anglo-Saxon male, 20th century, from the worst you know possible background really for <laughs> mental health. And so I've had to learn, I've had to learn how to f- handle emotion. And when we were young parents, we had a little boy, and then about three years later, we we're ready to go again and be parents again. And 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 so we became pregnant. I forget how many weeks, perhaps 10, 12 weeks into that pregnancy, Sharon went into labor and um and we had we raced to hospital and it was the worst thing that many people have of a of a miscarriage. The next day. Um, I had to run a weekend with training mm-hmm. therapists, and and so I I knew enough to tell the people in the weekend that I this had just happened, that we just lost a, a child, and that I was a bit um, not in it's super good shape. But um, but then I got on with it and ran the weekend because that's they were As there we to do. Be, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then after that, I went into a kind of a, a grey place for many months and sharon also had a rough childhood and so she um didn't really want to talk much to me and we and this it's a hard thing that happens about a very high proportion of couples actually separate after the loss of a of a child um mm-hmm. and sometimes a miscarriage as well and so i was like a walking uh, kind of zombie
0: mm-hmm. and
2: and then one day i we had a seminar room that we had built on our farm where people would come to, to train, and it was a beautiful, it was like a chapel. It was a beautiful space that was just carpet and and soft chairs and and stained glass window. And I had a guitar hanging on the wall, and I went in there one afternoon and I just got the guitar. I wasn't really thinking. And and anyone who plays music listening knows that sometimes you just do stuff. You just mm-hmm. play chords. You don't even know what you're playing, and and the chords resolved into a, a song and and i started singing the song the song was um ruby tuesday which was a, mm. a rolling Stones song although melanie sang the version that i really liked and i won't tell you the words because if i tell you the words i'll start to cry again yeah. um but all of a sudden i was crying Mm-hmm. And I and I was keel, I was sitting on the floor and I just keeled over forwards right across the guitar and my so that my forehead was like on the ground and tears were streaming down my face and and because the, the words were something about I oh know I won't I won't even go there but but it was it was the music had carried me to the feelings that I had yeah. and 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 because they're about a, a girl being um, never you know here today and gone tomorrow um, I. I suddenly realized that in my heart, I had no idea of this, that this lost pregnancy, in my heart, it was a girl. I don't even know what, doesn't the, what it doesn't no, matter. No, but but it, 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 yes, that's that's exactly right. And yeah. but but in my in my heart of hearts, um I'd lost a daughter. Mm-hmm. And and so now. I have a daughter now, and and she's really the joy of my life, and I've got granddaughters now. and and so it's um it turned out okay. But if I hadn't been able to to access the feelings, mm-hmm. I don't think my life would have gone very well. Mm-hmm. And so in the fully human book, what we give people is is a a really straightforward way of understanding emotions, that they matter that they are huge life forces inside us carrying us through. And most, this is out there now, I don't need to explain. There's lots of books on emotional literacy. But the thing is that always stay with those. And, And if they're troubling you, you know, if you're feeling depressed or you're feeling furious... The best way to process it, and what what we therapists, the most advanced therapists now are doing, people are abandoning cognitive behaviour therapy in droves now because mm-hmm. it was all right, you know, it, it kind of you know it talks a bit of sense into you, mm-hmm. but there was just so much more going on, and you can't think your way out of feelings very well, and they they they're an energy source, and they need to move to where they're wanting to go to so that anger might be moved, need to move to make you strong, fear might be needing to move that you really don't ever take your child back to that carer again.
1: Safety, um,
2: safety exactly. Yeah. Sorrow, of, of course, is is to do with letting the pieces of yourself heal together again
0: after a loss.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and joy is a really you know, we don't have enough of that. I, we I, need I've more. worked. In, yes, I've got friends who are West African, and, and they say, they don't just say, um, "See you again" when when we say goodbye. You know, you've been at their house. They don't just say goodbye; they say, "See you again, God willing." Mm-hmm. And because in in West Africa, you're not sure that you will. Yes. Yeah. Now the thing is, those are my most joyful friends. They are the people who who are the most amazingly fun to be around, and yet they have histories that would that would chill you to the bone. It, it, most people in, in Australia from other countries are, are refugees. Mm-hmm. Being joyful, and you know, and in a family context, it just means putting on some. You know, you're in the kitchen. You know, everyone's there. Let's let's put on some loud music. You know,
1: Have a and, dance party. And- yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and. Yeah yeah, I was I had my mom's group this morning and they were talking about how to be a playful parent and we stop taking ourselves so seriously. We want our kids to be playful and joy filled. and we have to be that so that they can experience it and model it. So it's just so important. And i I just love this conversation about emotions because it is that place that we have to feel them so that we can return to balance we can stuff it we all know what happens when we stuff our anger when we stuff our fear all the things and so coming back into balance is only done as you said you can't talk your way through it you have to feel it and stay with it
2: exactly and of course as a as a mom and as a dad our kids have got the super sense, which is telling them, you know, mum says she's happy, but I don't feel like she is. Right. Uh, there was a really astonishing example of this as, as a, 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 a and again, a, f- a friend of mine, not a client, just a, a friend who I'd only met her, you know, sort of in her 40s. Mm-hmm. And she told me that she she was divorced. And 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 the reason she was divorced was that her husband had had an affair with someone else, which he would had from three weeks into their marriage. Mm -hmm. So they got married and he he probably wasn't a really nice man and he got someone else on the side almost straight away. Now, the thing was she'd had migraines. She'd been in trouble with migraines all her married life. She found out that he was having an affair and she booted him out. The migraines went away and they never came back. they have never come back. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah, that's wow is the word, isn't it? And so somewhere she knew. Mm -hmm. Um, she was not on secure ground so our kids know if if we're not really right
1: Mm -hmm. um, they do yeah definitely do so so you said you know we can't talk our way out of emotions but words are very important so I'll move us up to the third story of our mansion Steve and uh, this is the brain this is where the truth is where our words live and that you know, we use words as humans to make sense of our own lives. We use words to communicate our inner worlds, our ideas to each other. And you said, I loved this quote from your book, you said, after our love, the ability to think and talk honestly is the most precious skill that parents can give their children.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, and, and it's a thing of Conversing and chatting to children is the way that it, it grows. It's a little bit scary now that a lot of young people don't read books much anymore, and that even in relationships, people don't converse very much because that's how you that's how you learn to make sense of mm-hmm. of the world. One of the things that Robert Bly is one of the my heroes, a of, of very deep thinker in in helping men's mental health. He said for instance he advised people when you wake up in the morning that you write a poem straight away on Mm -hmm. notepad or at least a journal now who's got time to do that (laughs) but 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 the reason he said was that it's very hard to um to lie on paper because you can kind of you can catch yourself you can catch yourself you can say that's that's rubbish um Mm -hmm. and so you know but and i because i work a lot with men and especially the messed up men they run such a number in their mind, you know, and I and I do it as well. And so if, you know, you write down, you know, you think, you know, you can go through a, a day, I can go through a day, but some men go through like 10 years mm-hmm. telling themselves a story like she's so mean to me, she's such a mm-mm-mm. But if you write that down on paper, you know, my wife hasn't been kind to me for weeks except she did this and this and this. It's just come on, you know, it doesn't stack up. Now, mm-hmm. some of your listeners may love to um, be a, a, I don't know if this is a term in, in the US, a fly on the wall. Is that a oh, term? Oh, yeah, yes.
1: absolutely. Yeah. To
2: be a, a fly on the wall in a men's group and to listen to what, what goes on in, in men's groups, whether they're just groups that meet peer groups or, or whether they're therapeutically run or something. But there's an enormous amount of calling out goes on in the sense of, of you know.
1: That's BS. Yeah. yeah, come we don't on, no. you.
2: yeah, and and, yeah. and um, because no, no one's really done that. And you see, I've worked with some pretty unpleasant characters in my work. It's very strange in the psychology profession, as you, you know, you start at the deep end and then gradually you swim to the shallows, <laughs> and you get thrown into this, you know, crime and and prisons and and mental, mental hospitals early on. So I've worked with people who did terrible things. They always have a story in their head that makes it okay. That, you know, yeah, but she deserved it, or, you know, whatever it is, that that, that have this horrific rationalization of of the bad things that they've done. It is so important to challenge that. But more importantly in in ourselves, I don't think any human being makes sense in isolation. I think if we were, if, if you spent a week on your own, you would end up weaving some crazy story in your head that just needs, and I'm really lucky, my wife Sharon has no hesitation in sorting me out <laughs> because I'm, I'm a little bit down the autism spectrum and I, I sometimes just am clueless about people. I learned early on it was just better to listen to her because she was nearly always right. Now, no one else is always right. And so I had to kind of correct back a little and, mm-hmm. you know, once I know these are my feelings and I think differently to you mm-hmm. because you have to push back in a relationship. But um, I learned to um, to take on board that maybe my entire position is is a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite proud of the fact that I can do that. I can just have another think and say, look, actually, I was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've got... Lots of people I know who would never do that in a million years. Um, And um, the conditioning of, I mean, sometimes dads or people married to, to men listening will have a partner who being wrong is really hard for them.
1: Yeah yeah and that's a story too and what i really like that you said about the brain and what we're talking about is we develop those stories and we stick with those stories and those stories are the words in our head and what you said is that the key to understanding the human brain is that it was never designed to function alone and we need the emotions we need the physical body the super sense and we need the spirit the fourth floor of our mansion Steve we need that connection to spirit and yes. that can look like it can look like the dance music it could look like being out in nature I mean it is that place that individuals connect to in their own way yes that connection
2: yes that when we talked about the the top floor it's it's a little bit like you're getting around. You know, you've got your three floors going, and you're in touch with your body and your emotions of of flowing free, and you're thinking a bit more clearly. One day, you're up on the third floor, and you notice that there's kind of a trapdoor in the ceiling, and a bit of a chink of light coming through, and and you're a bit curious. You know, thought it hadn't noticed that before. You know, and and you get a ladder, and you push on the the trapdoor, and, and and what do you know? There's a roof garden on top of your house, and um, and that spirituality is. the in the way we've explained it in in this book is that you suddenly realize that there's this great universe outside there's this vast landscape trees and sky and birds and other people of course and that you're out there now and so you're not trapped in your little um building you're you're kind of out in the wide blue sky there's a an idea, and this was Eugene Gendlin, who was a very famous, uh, one of the founding founders of counseling. And the book is very um, reliant on his and expounds his ideas a lot because I think he's a lost secret in the therapy world. Do you agree with that? And, yeah. And he said, first of all, listen to your listen to your body's messages because every everything inside of you is mind. Your mind is in your little toe mind is in your in the hairs on the back of your neck it's all mind, and he says and while we're on that topic he said it's the same with the world around us it's all Mm mind, and uh, it'll take another book to to address that but basically as you as you start to be in nature and we'll keep it where everyone listening can relate to this you know your dog or your cat runs in and you and you scruff give a little pat and you hang out in the garden for a while and you went out there just to get away from the kids, but but you start feeling really nice. Mm-hmm. And what is happening is that that you are deeply, deeply a part of nature. And as your body senses the wind on your face and it, he, he hears the calling of the birds, it it attunes itself back. Not, it's not that you're tuning into nature, it's you're tuning into you. Yes. And you are nature. And now I, lo- I love, I, people I know, I can see Janet's face as we're talking, we're doing this on Zoom. And she has a very, uh, one of those faces you could just uh, sort of, you want to curl up on her lap and just uh, <laughs> just melt. And and I'm glad you listened to Janet's podcast because this is the tone that you'll find coming through everyone she does, which is of, of a deep feeling of of being not separate not lonely. We're all held in the arms of, of the of the beautiful earth that we live on. And, and it's waiting there to love you. And you might be in the most lonely circumstances imaginable, but you're still, you know, like it says in the in the thing, you're child of the universe. And if we can sense that, then we start to soften and to lose our desperation and our children then feel that around us. Um, they feel like mom's okay with life, you know? Yeah. And and um she's she's got a quiet joy in her. Dad is really at ease in his skin. Mm-hmm. Um and and so as kids, all, all human children are naturally anxious and they rely on us to to moderate and help them to 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 be comfortable in their skin and in, in the world. And even in the horrors of the world, you know, in writing a book, I was done with parenting books, I'd i done a lifetime, mm-hmm. and the world was still messed up, Janet, and and I'd given it my best shot, you know, Dang, um, and and so I thought that we have to go deeper, we've got to help yeah. the mums and dads, we've got to get a fully human being in this world, in millions of, of, of places,
0: and, and so this was that the place
1: that. You know we have to get off of our screens we have to put the devices away we have to go outside and and just even to feel the wind on your face and i'm going to guess for our listeners every single one of our listeners can remember a time maybe in the last month but maybe from childhood when they have been in nature or out of their usual flow in some way And they sense that welling up, that fullness that comes and the desire then to bring that back. Like, I want to keep that feeling. I want to keep that into my everyday life. And just the more that we can flow back and forth between that. And I think for our kids, it's so much about wonder and awe. It's that place where you might see a beetle on the sidewalk and you can just stand around it in wonder and awe. And you don't have to pick up your phone and Google what the beetle is. You know, we don't need the hard facts. We can access (laughs) the hard facts whenever we need our soul. Our spirit needs the wonder and the awe and to just stand in that place of, yeah, look at the moon tonight. Look at the stars.
2: Yes, oh, that's uh, I, that's that, that, that's so helpful to hear it put that way, Janet. It's 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 like um, it just arrives, doesn't it? It's like you you give it a half an opening and, and it arrives. And overall effect, it's not just it's not a little break or a panacea. the The effect is transformative. That mm-hmm. that when you you know if you go back to those four stories of your mansion and and the, the levels of your mind, when you do that everything starts to sort itself out. It's like the ripples go down and and our whole mind is designed to be single-pointed and and unified and and in harmony with itself. And if you meet someone in your life that is many of your listeners have met someone sometime who's really wonderful to be around and you want to be like that, it's because they stack up. The levels of their mind stack up.
1: Yeah. And I have to tell you, Steve, because you posted this excerpt on your Facebook page about this fully human human. And it brought me to tears because my daughter is actually one of those people. Uh... I don't know how she got to be that way. I hope that our listeners have had an opportunity to meet someone like this in their life, because you talk about that this person, they're bearing, they're, they're, focused, they're grounded, they're unhurried. And you talk about their manner that they, you know, it's like you, Steve, you take yourself lightly, but then there's that fierceness and that gravity also of needing to protect others and people feel safe with this person. And then I loved this part that they're non-conformists and <laughs> that means simply that they're true to themselves. It's that place where they stack up and they aren't pulled by society's pull and the need to perform yeah, in some way. They and, don't dance oh, to
2: the crazy tune. That's right.
1: No, they don't. And and I want to, will you, will, you, will you indulge me a little bit more? I want to read one quote from your book because I think it sums all of this up of what we have been talking about, which is connection. And yet our underlying place that that I think we go as humans is that we ultimately feel alone. And yet, so I'm gonna just read this quote because I just think it's so well-written, Steve. Pangs of unexplained longing can be frightening. So we may flee into random activity to ward them off. But what they are is a crack in our composure, our ego armor. They are something that we can and should follow. It's important to notice the feelings evoked by the sunset, the ocean, or a sudden need to create music, art, or writing. Those feelings are your own soul saying, follow me, discover yourself.
2: I can't improve on that, Janet. That's a lovely way to finish. Thank you so much.
1: Steve, you have brought us a whole new conversation, and I'm excited to see where this book goes. I think it's going to be millions and millions bestseller translated into many languages. You are helping us as humans reconnect to ourselves and also as parents helping our children so that they don't have to be adults trying to find themselves, but that they can grow into their adulthood with all of their all of themselves aligned. Thank you so much for this conversation.
2: Thank you, Jenna. that was a wonderful time. Thank you very much.
1: You can find Steve's book, Fully Human, a new way of using your mind, anywhere that books are sold worldwide. Of course, Jen and I always encourage you to support your local independent booksellers. Thank you so much for joining us at On Boys. And a quick reminder to subscribe to Jennifer's Building Boys Bulletin. You'll get a jam-packed email every Monday. It is worth its weight in gold. Find that at buildingboys.net. And also the Boy Talk Blueprint. How to have great conversations with your son. You can find the links in the show notes. And you can also go to com slash blueprint. Thank you again for joining us. We are on boys. Real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men.